This morning the reading is from Matthews 28, 16 through 20, the commissioning of the disciples. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. God, for the people of God. God. I went and saw a new doctor a couple of weeks ago, and I was complaining that I was having those moments, and he goes, oh, brain farts? I'm like, yeah, didn't know that was the medical term. <laughs> Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Theologically, the church puts these stories in a certain order. So last week we had Acts where, I mean, sorry, last week we had Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came and everybody was, you know, the church started building. And this week we have the Great Commissioning. Problem was, the Great Commissioning comes in the book of Matthew right after he was resurrected. So theologically it works. But timeline-wise, it kind of is messed up a little bit. So timeline, if, you, if you're reading Matthew, in Matthew, you just have Mary Magdalene and the other Mary go to the open tomb where the cool, um, the cool angel is sitting on the rolled-away stone who is so white they can barely look at him. And he tells them, what are you doing here? Jesus is on his way to Galilee. Head over there and tell the disciples that Jesus has been raised from the dead and is on his way to see them. So they start heading out to go to Galilee. And as they're doing what they've been called to do, as they've been commissioned to do, they see Jesus. And Jesus starts, um, sees them and yells, hey, hi. And they stop and they worship him. They throw themselves around his feet and they're worshiping him and he says you know tell the guys I'm going to be there in Galilee so they get up and they can keep running then there's this little passage right after that it's a weird passage and it says and at that time the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem were worried that people would think that Jesus was raised from the dead so they told centurions to lie and to spread it among the people in the city that his followers came and rolled the stone away and stole his body so that people would think he was resurrected but that he really wasn't resurrected and then the very next thing is is we have Jesus in Galilee telling his his followers to go forth but we've got that weird line don't we he sees his disciples but some doubt it and when I first read that, I thought, why is a disciple doubting? This is Jesus. He's standing right in front of them. Why is he doubting? But maybe Matthew put that weird little paragraph in there because some of them heard word in the city that, you know, some of their other followers might have 
stole his body and make it look good? Were some of these guys actually a little concerned that maybe, you know, the zealots, you know, you got Simon the zealot, maybe the zealots in town got a little bit worried that things weren't going the way they wanted, so they stole the body? Were some of these disciples really not sure that everything was going the way they wanted it to go? Or was it kind of like when Peter flipped out and denied Christ three times because he was just plain old scared? They had come and they arrested Christ and they beat the living out of him, tortured him, and then tortured him to death. And now Christ is once again standing in front of him and saying, go forth and make disciples in my name. And they're like, oh, that's a little scary. We saw what happened to you. Not sure I want to do that. But what Matthew does say is some doubt it. But what we know is that even though they doubted, they went forth and they made disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit throughout all of the known world. And that's kind of amazing. And what's even more amazing is that gives us the right to go forward in our faith, even though there are times when we go, nah. it's kind of scary being a Christian. I don't know if I want to go forward. There's a lot of people that don't believe what I believe. There's people out there that make fun of us. There's people out there that just really are not on my wavelength anymore. And coming out and saying, you know, I'm a Christian. And this is a really good thing to be a Christian and to have these beliefs in this time of the world in crisis. And then they turn around to you and they say, really? Where was God? when that stupid truck driver was hitting people on the London Bridge? Where was God when all of those girls were kidnapped in the Sudan? Where was God when my brother or sister, whoever, passed away? Where was God? Man, those questions are awful. I know, because they ask pastors that all the time. We hate that. Because we have to answer, he was there. And he was in as much pain as they were in. But when you're talking to somebody that's angry, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that our Lord suffers as much as they do. They want to hear that our Lord is going to come in like Superman and turn the world backwards by flying around the earth enough times and make everything turn backwards so that the world is better after that. It's hard. I saw on TV, on Good Morning America, the um, police chief from, I think it was it Houston or Dallas, where those five police officers were killed in one day. He's an African-American gentleman. Which one? Houston, thank you. And he's wrote, written a book about it, and he's doing a tour now talking about that. And they asked him the question, they said, how did you deal with every day 
talking to those families and talking to the people in your department? How did you deal with this? This was the worst catastrophe in a police department since 9-1-1, since 9-11, sorry, 9-11. And he said, I'm a Christian, and I am not going to hide the fact that I'm a Christian. And every time I walked into a home, I said, I'm a Christian. And as a Christian, this is what I believe. And I hope this will help you. What an amazing thing to hear on television. Yes, he had doubts. He didn't know what he was walking into in a home. He knew he was walking into grieving people, angry people, because their loved ones weren't taken for any good reason than violence and hate. So he knew he was walking into a home where people were angry. And he knew that he was walking into a home where they were going to say, why didn't they have the backup they needed? Why weren't people there to help them? Why didn't you get them the equipment they needed to be safe? Why, 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 why? All those questions were going to come at him, and he didn't have an answer. He couldn't tell them that he could make things better. He couldn't tell them what they wanted to hear, which was, I have a magic cure to bring your loved one back. He couldn't do any of that. But he could say, I'm a Christian. And because I'm a Christian, I'm going to share with you my faith. And my faith says that, yes, a tragedy has occurred. But my faith says that Jesus Christ died for you as well as for me, which means that death has been broken. Justice will reign in this world, and you will see your loved one again. I have that faith. And he walked into household after household, police department after police department, bringing that message of hope with him, doubting each time that he was going to get a good reaction. Why? Because we're a PC world, aren't we? We're not supposed to walk around telling everybody we're a Christian. We're supposed to keep that out. Remember, you don't talk about religion and you don't talk about politics. That's not PC in our world. So having the chief come in and break that rule right off and just say, I'm a Christian. I don't know if you're ever going to feel better, but this is how I'm going to tell you how I'm working through this. Let me give you some of the tools that Christ has given me. Let me show you how I find some peace in my heart. Now, he didn't walk in there and say, I'm here to make disciples of Jesus Christ. I'm here to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He walked in there as the embodiment of the body of Christ. He walked in there to say, I'm going to try to help you heal. I'm going to give you some tools. I'm going to be the presence of Christ in this horrible time. I'm going to hold your hand if you need to hold your hand. I'm going to be here to take some of that anger that I know you're feeling. I'm going to let you know that you are feeling anger and I am feeling anger. And I'm going to be there. And a very wise woman in my sermon shaper said that 
she has this wonderful quote, and that is, preach the gospel every day in every way, and if you have to, use words. And I said, Krina, I am so using that, because that's exactly what he did. He was preaching that gospel in everything he did. He didn't have to say, I'd like you to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He showed them what a true Christian is, one of love, one of peace, one of presence, one of taking on your pain and willing to be in that space with you, one of willingness to walk through whatever you're in and walk out the other side. One of telling you that there is hope. That even though the world is a fallen world, and gosh darn it, we know it's a fallen world. Even though that we know the world is a fallen world, that we have hope. Why? Because we know Christ lived. We know Christ died. We know that Christ rose and that he will come again. We know that. And we have that hope, and we are willing to share that with the world. And that's why we go out, and we make disciples. We make disciples not only through our words, but much more important, through our actions. Through our actions of being hospitable, opening our church and saying, come on in. We want to break bread with you. Are you Lutheran? Are you Catholic? Are you Jewish? Are you Muslim? Christ didn't say, hey, you are not Jewish. Don't sit at my table. Oh, I think you might be a sinner. Don't sit at my table. Christ would never block the door from somebody because they didn't fit a profile. I think Christ would be thrilled to be at our iftar dinner. Even though he's a man, we might have a problem with that. I love hearing stories where people start with, I'm a Christian, and I'm proud of it. In a world where there's so much doubt and so much pain and so many times that we do not feel joy, just going forth, not trying to evangelize by our words and leaflets and pamphlets and let us tell you what our church is doing, but when somebody says, why, or how do you deal with it, or I can't understand, all you have to say is, I can't understand either. But I have faith. I'm a Christian. And when the world seems crazy, and when the world seems out of control, and when I don't understand why things happen, or even better, what amazing things happen, and I am just so thrilled. That's when I turn to my faith in God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, and I am joyful, and I am comforted, and I am strengthened. And that is how we fulfill Christ's commission to go forth and make disciples, is by, by being the best Christian we can ever be, and owning that title in every way, in everything, in every word, and in every action. Amen.